Hello, and welcome to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited, where we'll cover one of the many reported cases of reincarnation, so we can bring the discussion out into the light about what happens to ourselves after death. But before we go too much further, I'd like to thank Alexios Arctos for his amazing sound engineering and editing work, and Raphael Crooks for allowing us to use his music from the freepd.com public domain music site. Today we welcome Jim Matlock back to the podcast to discuss the intriguing subject of announcing dreams. This episode covers a completely different area of dream events associated with reincarnation and is often the herald of news about an impending birth. Let's join Jim now to discuss this fascinating subject. Hello and welcome to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited and today we welcome Jim back to the program so we can talk about announcing dreams. We did an episode earlier as you know about dreams coming in with past life memories but this is actually a different area where dreams can be a foreteller of people coming I suppose you could say children coming. Welcome Jim it's good to talk to you again. Same here Marilyn look forward to this. I've been looking forward to this one for a while because announcing dreams are really interesting and a lot of people have a lot of interest about them. So announcing dreams are different from past life memory dreams. What is an announcing dream and how is it different? Right, they are different. Um, An announcing dream is simply a dream um, in which a child um, announces, right, basically, um, his intent, her intent uh, to be reborn um, generally to the dreamer. It's generally uh, women, um, sometimes pregnant women, it can be even before a child is conceived, um, have these dreams. But it can also be their husbands, relative, close relatives. I've even heard of them uh, coming to children and family um, who have these dreams. And, you know, it's very often uh, somebody recognized by the dreamer, but not always, um, who who lets them know uh, that it's their intention to uh, uh, to come back. I didn't uh, realize that kids had seen them. Right, yeah. The young children are so receptive to everything. You know, they will sometimes have dreams, tell their parents uh, they had these dreams too. With the ones where other people rather than the parents were involved, are they usually the familial cases, like people saying, our Billy who died, 10 years ago, came to me last night and said he was coming back? Or or are there ones where it's just like, you know, a friend will say, oh, I, I had a dream that you had a baby or? Right. Um, well, I mean, it's, they're most in, in general. I mean, they're most often the family cases, but they can be they can be people who are unknown to the family. But then one of the things that's interesting about them, when the children are born, they resemble uh, the, uh, the people who were seen in the dreams. Oh, wow. So... I know the fathers can have dreams sometimes as well as the mothers. It's not always right. the mum. Are the expectant father's dreams different to the mother's or are they consistent across the board? They're pretty much consistent. I mean, and both both parents can have dreams during the same period, right? Um, <laughs> this one really very, um, a Burmese case, to give an example of this, uh, where both parents had dreams that, in Burma, uh, these dreams tend to be petitionary. Uh, it, it's sort of the only culture uh, in which they are, where they, instead of announcing uh, that they're coming back, uh, they asked whether they may, right? Um, also, Burma is a Buddhist culture. And in Buddhism, uh, there's the idea that reincarnation occurs at conception, 
right? Um, so announcing dreams in Buddhist cultures, including Burmese um, ones, occur before the baby is conceived. And in this case, the father was off on a business trip, um, and he had uh, this uh, a friend of his come to him. He had died and came to him in the dream, asking whether he could be um, he could become his child. And meanwhile, unbeknownst to him, his wife also was contacted by the same man and asking whether he would be welcome to be their child. And the uh, the mother-to-be sort of put him off. It wasn't really enthusiastic about it coming back, asked him not to. <laughs> Her husband said yes. <laughs> and he, he didn't know that it was this other dream, that his wife had had the dream too. So he got back home and told her about his dream and that he'd accept it. And he said, oh, no. But but sure enough, the child was born. And he, he as he grew up, he had memories of being this person. So um, it, can be, it can be kind of funny that way sometimes. Very polite to ask both of them, actually. It's a shame he didn't do it as a joint one, were they? <laughs> right. Well, it would be very interesting to know which one he went to first, because if he went to the wife first and got rejected and then went to the husband, it puts a different light on it, right? <laughs> very, very true. I wonder if that was a cultural thing that he accepted the husbands because men were more, you know, authoritative figure in a couple, I suppose. Yeah, I, you know, that could be a factor. You know, I, I think he was this father's friend. So it was like he was a friend. It was more of a connection there to the father, to the man, to the husband. So um, you mentioned something there that was an interesting point too. You said in Burma that they're different. So if you look at the uh, dreams that happen all over the world, are they different for different countries? Like is it culturally affected as well? Yes, actually, uh, let's talk more about that because, yes, um, they are culturally influenced in this way. There's several ways that the, you do see these uh, cultural influences, and one is like like I say in Buddhist cultures, they tend to come before conception. Other cultures, they often come during gestation, um, and then among the Druze, the Druze people of um, the Middle East, Lebanon, you know, Syria. Uh, there's some in Israel and and um, uh, as well uh, in Jordan, a few. They, they believe, the Druze people believe that uh, when one dies, one reincarnates immediately in a child being born. Oh, they don't have any kind of intermission theory or? You no. Know, so intermission memories, just to define what they are, though, there's are memories of the period between lives. Uh, and among the Druze, there is not this intermission period. And um, so you don't have intermission memories among the Druze as you do in most other cultures. But also, interestingly, as far as announcing dreams go, the dreams occur after the child is born among the Druze. Oh, so what are they then announcing then? Because they're not announcing the birth. Are they announcing that this child is a person they know? Or? Yeah, they're giving their identity, basically, because in, in the Druze, you don't have many family cases. So they're letting the parents know who they were. Yeah, it's very yeah. different. Right. It is very different. Um, then in some other cultures, they're, they're more symbolic, like the ones we've been talking about. They're quite literal, right? You see the person and the person is delivering this message. Um, the ones that uh, Stevenson collected among the uh, American Indians from Alaska, the ones he collected among the Clinket uh, were much more symbolic. 
like a man arrives carrying a suitcase or something like that. <laughs> You're right. So, you know, it's not just the man arriving there, but the fact that he's bringing his suitcase with him sort of conveys the message that he's coming to stay. It's interesting that they use the sort of symbology of a suitcase or that kind of like, um, you know, preparations to travel thing, because I have heard this is to get a little bit off topic, but still interesting people describing as they're approaching their death, they will start describing things like I'm going on a holiday or I have right. to go home and pack because I'm leaving. And right. so that similar kind of, you know, almost travel reference to, to what's happening. Yeah. I mean, that's what we, we talk about the journey, next journey, right. You know, right. I mean, we, we have just, we talk about death in that way, the final journey or whatever. Yeah, that's true. I usually sort of put it as when I turn my face towards home. That's how I sort of see it as being so. I try, I try not to use terms like um, someone's dying or whatever because I think people can be very frightened by the concept of death when it's not really. It's actually just a very natural thing that happens, really. Yeah, it is just a natural thing, but you're right. I mean, a lot of people sort of freak out about it. Yeah, yeah. So um, announcing dreams then in that case, so they can also not just be about announcing births they can actually be announcing things that will happen as well is that is that true or well they can be i mean you know i mean there are different kinds of dreams but announcing dreams sort of by definition have to do with announcing the birth yeah right i mean you know other dreams you would call precognitive dreams or you know there could be other kinds of dreams you had on the science encyclopedia site one of the cases that was i think it was ian stevenson's and it was an interesting one because you talked about announcement from a spirit figure. Is that something that can happen regularly too? And is and is that also across different cultures or is that a cultural thing? Yeah, um, I won't say it's not as common. Uh, and you probably find it more in Asia than you do in the West. Well, they are announcing dreams because there's an announcement. But like you say, I mean, it's not the figure themselves who is being reincarnated that, that that makes the announcement. It's another spirit figure who makes the announcement. The one you may be thinking about here was, it was to two different families, wasn't it? Where the previous person's family, you know, the deceased person's family, member of that family dreamed that, uh, that this figure came to them and said that he was taking uh, their loved one to such and such a family. Um, and then the uh, the wife of that family had a dream corresponding to that of the same sort of figure uh, who uh, led this man to her and said he's bringing this man to her. I, I would have thought that might happen in a familial line, but they weren't. They were actually separate, completely separate families, weren't they? They were. And this is what we call a stranger case or a case with a stranger relationship. This may be a acquaintance case because the, the woman... Um, who had lost her husband, uh, learned from the dream where he had been reincarnated and then went to that family. I need, I, I'm not sure whether it was an acquaintance case or whether it was a stranger case in that case. At any rate, this brings up another issue, and that is departure dreams. This is one example of a departure dream. The departure dream is where somebody, like the woman who had lost her husband, uh, dreams that the person is going to re be reborn somewhere else, right? So it's sort of a complementary to announcing. Announcing is where the family is receiving the reincarnation, um, dreams that the, the reincarnation is coming to them. Uh, and departure dreams 
somebody in the deceased family dreams of the deceased and the deceased is letting them know where that he is being reborn. Uh, now, I've heard in Western departure dreams, I've heard a lot of them where they don't let them know where they're being reborn. They just sort of somehow and sometimes symbolically, sometimes indirectly imply or let them know in some way that they're being reborn. Um, so sort of a saying goodbye with, without, without saying where, you know. Um, so I, you know, there's, again, a cultural difference. And you know, that's sort of the way they they come across in the West, whereas in Asia, they're more likely uh, to tell them, be precise about it. When you say cultural, I think Westerners generally are somewhat reticent about sort of discussing things like this. Maybe there's a bit of a fear. If I tell people they're going to turn up on the doorstep, whereas I think in Me sort of Cases like uh, the Sri Lanka and places like that, everybody knows everybody anyway. So, you know, I suppose. Maybe... Yeah. Well, yes, yes and no. I mean, they would, it would in the same town, same village, mm. you oh, know. Yeah. But, 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 but often in these cases, they're, they're in different villages and maybe in different regions. And, you know, mm. and so um, uh, they wouldn't necessarily, but, but many, many announcing dreams they do have family or acquaintance relationships so yeah i mean but there are some with stranger relationships too you know it's just in general they they you do they people are acquainted and in india um they're all of the ones that stevenson heard were family cases even though in india only 12 percent of of the reincarnation he studied cases he studied were family cases so in India, so that's a that's a fairly that's a low percentage um, yeah. of family cases, uh, but but all of the announcing dreams were among that group. Do you find that I'll ask about that further a bit more in a minute? But do you find with Westerners that they're less likely to actually fess up that they've had an announcing dream because we are a little bit reticent about talking about having memories and past life memories, and people often don't really know what's going on and get a bit spooked by it yeah you know i think in general westerners are a little bit reticent or reluctant to talk about these things um i think it, i think it's changing i think it's becoming easier now um and we have more people talking about them than used to be um i think it depends also depends on the circle so if you're talking about um, you know, say my Facebook group or, you know, in another group uh, somewhere, uh, either on Facebook or Reddit or something like that, uh, where people are already comfortable with the idea of reincarnation. You know, maybe they don't hold it back so much. Um, but <laughs> they're also often not aware of the significance of the dreams so much and so they might not think to mention them so it's not that they're shy about it it's just that they don't necessarily make that connection that actually leads me on to the next point because um i wonder too with westerners whether they just think don't think wow that was a trippy dream it was just an ordinary dream so with announcing dreams do they look like a normal dream if you're having an announcing dream does it stand out from what would be considered a normal dream Yes, apparently they do stand out. I've never had one, but yeah, from the reports, yes, they, they, they do stand out. They're different. They're not like regular dreams, um, and they're not like memories either. 
I mean, they're more, you know, memory dreams tend to be more realistic than regular dreams. Um, but in the announcing dreams, people, you know, do not confuse them with memories, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they do have this sense that they're being contacted by, you know, a deceased person. They do have that sense. I suppose you could say that in the same way as past life memories seem different to just imagination to people when they have them. And there's that element of reality to it rather than with a dream, like you get really weird, creative kind of imagination things happening, don't you? Although announcing dreams can have symbology in them, can't they? Yes, they can. And these things do get complicated. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, announcing dreams, because they feature these deceased figures, um, they're like other dreams with deceased figures. I mean, people will dream about um, that their loved ones have contacted them for whatever reason, you know, and so you can put them in that class. And the, so all uh, dreams which have deceased figures in them, uh, for whatever reason, the deceased is contacting the dreamer. Um, they tend to be more realistic than just these hodgepodge fantasy type dreams. Yeah, so they are kind of related to just generally communication with the other side as well, aren't they? Like, I mean, they're, they're sort of a subsection of it in a way, I suppose. Or a... Right, yeah, they are. I mean, announcing dreams are one type of a phenomenon that, uh, you know, suggests what I call discarnate agency. I mean, that's what it is, right? The mm. discarnates are able to act, you know, to plan, to think, and to, um, to to carry out their intentions. And, you know, one of their intentions is to contact the living, maybe just to stay in contact with them, you know, or to let them know of danger or let them know that they're about to be born, where they're being reborn, all this. So, yeah, and so announcing dreams are a variety of that kind of dream. And you mentioned on the site that announcing dreams can have sensory or auditory sort of dimensions as well so people can smell or hear things that as well as part of the experience well yeah i mean they often do hear things right they hear the person talking these other dimensions too i mean emotional and you know sometimes the olfactory smell uh, dimensions to them too they sort of go along with it that's something that's i would say that you find in general for, with all these different kinds of contact dreams um and that you also find often with the past life memory dreams, which are different than the contact dreams, of course, but they can also be, you know, multiple modality type type experiences. And you also mentioned on the site that some of them are lucid dreams where the person is aware that they're actually dreaming. They're in the dreaming state, but they sense that it's different. Is, is that what you mean by that? Or? Well, they sense that they're dreaming. That's what makes a lucid dream. You realize you're in a dream. You know, and um, people who have a lot of lucid dreams, sometimes they feel like they can control the dreams. I mean, it just seems weird to those of us who don't have dreams like that. But yeah, a lucid dream is where one is sort of lucid in the dream. Um, so whenever I've had dreams like that, it's caused me to wake up pretty quickly. I mean, I can, uh, I, I sort of begin to realize, hey, this is a dream and that wakes me up, you know. But there are other people who, I guess, have them more regularly who manage to stay asleep through them somehow. Well, with regard to the lucidity of it, though, I suppose that's how you get cases like Mario and Ralph, where she was basically almost arguing with, with the soul saying, 
don't come. I don't want you to come. So she was aware she was dreaming, but she was still able to kind of like get a message back the other way is what I'm trying to say. So Right. And let's, that's actually a nice example of this. And let's talk about that because actually it was a series of dreams. And for those who haven't heard that, let's, let's, let's review this a little bit. This is a German case. Um, and I was a, a woman who was driving on the Autobahn and uh, she saw an accident right in front of her uh, where this guy came running down on the road and he was hit by a car. Uh, and she saw this happen. So she stopped to help him. And she couldn't save him. He actually died in her arms. Um, and then she began to dream about him. Uh, and he asked her, she was not married at the time, didn't plan to be married. He asked if he could come back as her child. And, you know, she, she like you said, she argued with him at first. And this went through a series of dreams where he kept asking again and again and again whether he could come back to her. So... In the third final dream, she finally gave in, but she said, please wait for six months. Um, and she forgot about it because she had no plans to get pregnant. She was just, these were just dreams. She, you know, she just thought, she just put it off. She blew it off. She didn't take it seriously. She wasn't even in a relationship at that point. So she No, kind of... she wasn't, you know, wasn't contemplating. Mm. <laughs> but then <laughs> six months later, I, I guess, you know, she wasn't in a relationship, but she didn't have sex. And, but the, <laughs> the condom broke. The guy negotiated his return in the dream, got her to agree that he could come back six months and waits for six months, maybe even arrange it, but you know, and and managed to arrange to get conceived. I mean, it's just one of these mind-boggling sort of things. But this is the sort of stuff you get when you really get into the reincarnation material. You find a lot of this sort of mind-boggling stuff that begins to make a certain sense after a point, but it's really crazy. Uh, we often sort of talk about, well, if you can announce your, when you're coming and where you're coming to and all the rest of it sort of thing, that you have control over what happens. And as you say, in some cases, the person asking is polite and asks, but in other cases, they just say, I'm coming, whether you yeah. want me to or not. And they, right. will, they will seem to manipulate circumstances on the side to make That's it happen. True. People who've yeah. been sterilized, phys physically sterilized, have actually ended up becoming pregnant, haven't they? Yes. And this is something, this is really fascinating. And that, you know, this is a, you know, it's a related subject, but it, it's, it's sort of different, but it's one that fascinates me too. Um, and that is, I, it's just this intent thing because, um, yeah, sterilizations, um, uh, tubal ligations, vasectomies after menopause, um, I, you know, I've, I've heard of, of, um, uh, after infections, when a woman had been told she couldn't get pregnant again, um, I've, I've, I've heard of pregnancies connected to reincarnation, uh, in all of those circumstances. I just find the whole thing quite uh, fascinating that they've kind of got the choice, but on this side of it, we almost don't. It's like, well, I'm coming whether you want me to or not. Like, yeah, the I know. In that? And, yeah, and so how do how do they do this? How do they bring it about? How does any of this stuff happen, for that matter? Um, I, I think it it all, it all comes down to psi, ESP, right? You know, so the dream contacts are telepathic, basically, right? Or clairvoyant when you see the person but you can understand that as sort of a telepathic interaction too that then gets you know projected up from your subconscious right 
but then the other things that we're talking about overcoming birth control or you know infections or whatever menopause um that that involves a different kind of psi um and that that's psychokinesis right which is mind over matter that's where the 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 consciousness is is you know able to with its mind have this effect on the material world or on somebody's body especially when you look at things that happen like synchronicity because there's a degree of of that to that as well like i mean the manipulation in a sense of things on this side uh to actually align with getting information to someone or well, that's right and that's a good way of thinking of synchronicity not as a coincidence but as as, as an engineered you know coincidence Mm. Oh, because that's clearly what they are. I mean, sometimes when you look at the cases of synchronicity, there's no way that that could have happened without there being like almost like planning behind it on the other side, whether you like it or you don't. Well, you know? that's right. And and th those are the interesting synchronicities. So, I mean, the uninteresting ones are ones where you just have, you know, uh, something that, that there's no good reason to think is not simply a coincidence. You know, mm, mm. Um, you know, if two people being in the same place at the same time or things happening on the same day or things like this, um, there has to be something behind it that says, hey, this is not simply a coincidence. And I mean, people say, oh, I don't believe in coincidence. Nothing is really coincidental. Well, I think sometimes things are, you know, and, you know, there's just because there's just there isn't any reason for them but then you come into these other synchronicities the other these other coincidental things that, that there really does seem to be something beyond the coincidence it seems to be that you know there is something behind them right it's engineering that's making this happen so it's not really a coincidence and that's when they become interesting yeah, agreed. They're the ones that I find quite fascinating. I think Bob Snows was a case like that where he decided they'd go on holiday, he and his wife, and they ended up going down to, um, I think, New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. That's right. They went to New Orleans yeah. and he just happened to walk into a gallery that actually had a painting of his that had been released, especially for an art exhibit that had been in a private collection, was never viewed anywhere. And it was one of his paintings. Like, I mean, well, no, 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 one of his past life paintings. One of his past life paintings, yes. Not, not, right. he didn't paint, he doesn't paint in this life. He's a writer in this right. life, but in that life, he was uh, right. You know, and, and finding that, yeah. See, now that, that type of synchronicity, I think, is brought about psychically. I mean, mm. psychically, he has psychically, he figured out where they were and psychically got them there because he was, um, he had been trying for a long time, um, to figure out who he had been before. He had these memories. This is actually a regression case, hypnotic regression case. Mm. Um, he was given a name under the hypnotic regression. He was given the name of his wife. And he, they sent him down blind alleys because, as it turned out, that was not his name. And that was not his wife's name. So he was just getting nowhere in trying to find people, uh, you know, by that name that matched up with his memories. But in his regression, he saw himself painting these paintings. And so... When he got himself then to New Orleans, not knowing what he was doing, right, not with no intention of going and finding them, um, then he got himself into the gallery where they were, and then he saw these paintings and realized these are the paintings I saw in my regression. 
and then he got the name and then from there he, he you know he went back and you know he could see how that person's life fit in with the other parts of his memories so one of the things that's interesting about that is it shows how the regressions can really get you off track yeah well they can but the interesting part about his that i i always found quite intriguing was that he had absolutely no interest in doing regression he wasn't going to do one he um he went to a party and met a woman who was a psychologist who worked for the police force and she said oh you should have one and he said yeah yeah okay one day kind of thing and she said no no you should I, I challenge you to to challenge your beliefs about it and go and have one and he said he was he just blew it off and went I'm not going to do that you know and then he said everywhere he went he kept running into this woman and she kept on asking have you had that regression have you had that? <laughs> and finally in the end he went fine I'll do it for the sake of just peace and so it was almost like he was actually being pushed to have a regression so that he could learn this and then when you look at the level of synchronicity involved in his case it's it's quite fascinating obviously someone on the other side wanted that to come out wanted him to go down this or path. Or, he, or or what i would say is he wanted to in this case that he is the person who's engineering the psychic he's the person who's going to the library and finding all this documentary evidence he's the one who's who's bringing about these coincidences so you sort of feel that that's the same thing as the announcing dream where the where the actual person is kind of setting the things up that they want in their life to happen that they want to get these a bit like Jeff King with his breadcrumbs where he put things down to make him remember yeah well you see the person has already reincarnated in in you know in them at this mm -hmm. point and so they themselves not this not a discarded agent is bringing them about but yeah it's the same sort of thing where um you know it's discarded agency versus incarnate agency but it's still psychic agency mm. Mm. When you get down the rabbit hole of it, I just find it completely fascinating. This is the stuff that pulls me right in and I'm like, yeah, this is what tells me this is real because whether we whether you believe them or you don't, they do come out. So we must have some understanding on the other side that we have these memories and sometimes we do want them to come out. So it's quite interesting, isn't it, the, the machinations that we'll go through. Right. Yeah, but I guess the point I'm making is that if we're, when we're talking about cases like Snows and, and um, uh, Jeff Keane, we're talking about reincarnation cases, right? And so in those cases, we're talking about they themselves subconsciously arranging things. Mm -hmm. when, we, when we're talking about announcing dreams, what we're talking about is the, the, the discarnate agent who is about to be reincarnated engineering things. Not mm. the child after it's been born, the mm. engineering, right? True. It does actually bring about the point that we can actually manipulate yes. the situation. Yeah, it does bring. Yeah, right. And that is the common denominator there. And you know, and that, but and see, and and that's psychic, right? I mean, that there's, there's a psychic level. Yeah, and you know, and it's done either just, just when you're discarnate before you're incarnate, or after you're incarnate too. I mean, you know, living people, embodied people let's say, I mean, they have psychic abilities too. I mean, you know, it's not simply discarnates that do. Well, I think we all have it. Uh, some people, maybe because they don't believe in it, they just don't tap it or they, but I think it's available in all of us to, to be able to do that um, because I think that's actually how the consciousness works in a way. But for some people, it's something that's 
enlightened for others it's not yes i mean i think it's something that everybody has i think like everything about human beings it's unevenly distributed through the population so some people have the capacity better more than others do and probably some people have the interest more than others do maybe some people want to come this time and just just live this life for what it brings if you know what i mean yeah that too yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so you mentioned earlier about the Indian cases with regards to announcing dreams, and you said something like the 12% mark of cases have announcing dream aspects to them. Yeah, oh. no. 12% of the Indian cases in Stevenson's collection were family cases. Oh, sorry. My apologies. And, yeah, and all of his all of the announcing dreams that he had, and I don't know the I don't know the number of the announcing dreams, were in family cases. They, but not all family cases had announcing dreams. So, I don't, you know, we can't say that announcing dreams are in 12% of the Indian cases. Oh, okay. Um, that was my fault. Sorry, I got that that round the wrong way. Um, Jim, in 2005, Jim Tucker reported that 22% of 1,100 cases that were in the computer database at the University of Virginia had announcing dreams. So is that cases from all over the world or is that sort of, because I know that there's a lot of those cases in the University of Virginia that focus on India and Sri Lanka because of Stevenson's work. Right. They're predominantly Asian cases. Right. Is there any research that's ever been done to see if that same level is in the Western cases? Or I suppose it's not really that much done with Western cases, is there? I did a study with, with Iris Geisler um, Peterson uh, a few years ago that looked at intermission memories, which we'll get into next time. Um, in the east and west uh now that's intermission memories and not announcing dreams though um and we found some interesting differences during the intermission um one of the things that some people remember having done is send announcing dreams or apparitions and this is a variation uh the same sorts of things you can find um not in dreams, but when people actually see apparitions of people who are announcing their their coming in the same sorts of way. So in the intermission memories, you have the memories of having appeared as an apparition or in a dream. Oh wow. There was one that one case that fascinated me for a slight difference, but it raised an interesting question. And um that was the Martin Ongmyo case, which I've covered before on the podcast with KM Westheim. We actually covered it under our gender dysphoria talk. Um, okay. And her case was interesting because the two cultures that were involved were Japanese and Burmese. During World War II, there was a period in which the Japanese were in Burma before the British got there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were Japanese occupiers in Burma. And so they took the war to Burma. Um, and Martin Yangmo, both her parents were Burmese, but she recalled having been a Japanese soldier who That's had right. been killed in Burma. That's right. Okay. So she was killed in Burma, but she had a Japanese previous life. And then her mother had this intermission memory or a series of them, actually. And like I, I said before, uh, in Burmese announcing dreams, they tend to be petitionary, right? They're asking permission, and not in this case, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, the, the, so the Japanese soldier was just letting her know that he was coming, right? Totally, you know, against the Buddhist culture thing, but much more in line. You can understand why that would be more of Japanese military culture sort of 
thing, right? Mm -hmm. Just letting her know this is what he's doing. But they were friends, actually. Uh, he was an army cook. And um, she, uh, uh, Martin Angmo's mother, had befriended this cook. Uh, and they had talked about, you know, foods and cooking techniques and this sort of thing. And so he was simply coming to her as a friend, right? But still, mm -hmm. it was letting her know that he was coming, not asking his permission, you know, like in uh, like in the other Burmese case I mentioned. Yeah, I found that quite fascinating, actually, that because he was coming to a woman of that culture, he didn't follow her kind of cultural preferences. It just was more like... That's right, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't at all. Yeah. <laughs> and that one, of course, was even more complicated by the fact that he came back as a girl and ended up wanting to be male. So yeah. that was interesting. What do you think happens in that particular case? If, why would someone come back to a woman and say, I'm going to come back to you, but come back in a female body rather than a male body? In this particular case, it's pretty clear what happened, I think. Um, he was killed by strafing from an aircraft, um, and he was struck in the groin, at least that's what he recalls. That's right. He was too. I forgot that bit. So I think he felt that he was emasculated. Ah, I never thought of that. So I, th I think that's why. Yeah, I mean, you know, she was she was a lesbian when she grew up. I mean, it was that strong. You don't see that that strength of um, gender dysphoria always in these cases. We see some degree of it. Whenever there's a sex change case, there can be some sort of um, uh, of gender dysphoria to some degree, right? You know, it can be just... Um, preferring to play games of the opposite sex, sometimes cross-dressing, you know, and it can it can go away after a few years and be in childhood. But if it lasts on into adulthood, then you get, you know, transgender identifications. And in a few cases, you get um, outright homosexuality. And that's what you got in this case. In this case, I think, I think his identity was totally masculine. Remember, he was an army man, you know. Mm -hmm. I think his identity was totally masculine, but then he shot in the groin. And I think it was it was sort of that you know, and obsessing on that, which caused him to be reborn as a female. Mm, that's really interesting, isn't it? So if someone has an announcing dream, can announcing dreams kind of influence the behaviour of the parents? Like, do they tend to try and change outcomes of future plans? Does it does it affect lot their decisions in life when they have an announcing dream? Have you heard of it? Yeah, Stevenson has a, it was a Finnish case, actually, where uh, the woman was, I think it was the end of her marriage or something. Anyway, she wasn't ready to have a child. It wasn't just was not the right time to have a child. So when she got pregnant, she was planning to abort the pregnancy. And she had this announcing dream in which uh, the, the message was, keep the child, right? And mm -hmm. so she did keep the child. And it, it turned out to be an uncle of hers who had pre recently died. Oh, wow. So it can actually change people's plans, I suppose, if they... I suppose it would because it would be quite a vivid and, you know, eerie thing to go through in some ways. It would be confronting, I think, to have a announcing dream, yeah. especially right. if you're not planning on being pregnant. Right. I mean, in the, the, these dreams can also um, let you know the sex of the child, even sometimes that you are pregnant. I mean, there's sometimes the women that will have these dreams before they know that they're pregnant. Oh, wow. And they are actually a bit of a gender reveal often, aren't they? Yes, yeah. Although I suppose in some cases they're not, if you look at Ben. Actually, Ben Bees was interesting because when he was born, 
his mother didn't have an announcing dream as such, but when he was born, even though he was born female, he said that his mother felt that there was something wrong, that the baby actually right. was male. And that you right. know, while they didn't have an announcing dream, it was almost like they had a connection or she knew that somehow right. that her child was more male orientated, which I right. found that was interesting that, too. That's interesting, yes. And that, that's a trans case. Another thing that can be conveyed in these dreams is names. In the announcing dreams, they'll let you know, you know, what their previous name was and what they want their name to be, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so I've heard of announcing dreams where uh, parents hadn't even considered certain names, uh, but they, the announcing dreams conveyed this name. They gave that name to the child. The child then grows up you know, has memories and, you know, enough memories to identify the person. And sure enough, the person had that the name that was that was conveyed in the announcing. Yeah, I seem to recall you that there was one case of uh, the, the parents were going to call the child something completely different. And after the announcing dream, they they did call the child. I think it was Stephen or something they said, which was the, yeah, the one Stephen. The yeah, that, 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 that's an unsolved case. But one of the ones I studied, the, the Ryland. Did we talk about Ryland? I'm not sure we did. Ryland O'Banion? Ryland O'Banion, right. There was an announcing dream in that case. And um, her name is Ryland Elizabeth. Elizabeth was her middle name. Um, the mother had the, the impression during the pregnancy, she had this strong you know, inclination to, to name the child Elizabeth. And the, it was also the middle name of the previous person. She was Jennifer Elizabeth. So she was, Ryland was given the same middle name as the, the person whose life she recalled as a result of her mother hearing that name. That's quite fascinating. I hadn't realized that about that particular case. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. We, I, so to get back onto announcing dreams, we're sort of getting near the end of it now. And Stevenson noted that the actions of spirits appeared in announcing dreams suggests we do have some freedom of choice and we can act on our own accord in the intermission period and we're going to talk about the intermission period next time we catch up but given that we can plan the parents we want to go to does that mean that it is possible to plan to return to the same family if there's a young man we both know who's absolutely fascinated with the idea of planning to come back to um, a life that he can sort of pre-plan oh I'll have my books and I'll have this and I'll have that and I'll have the other is that at all <laughs> is that at all possible do you think you're talking about me <laughs> that's what no I, I was actually do. talking about Jacob from the green room <laughs> oh but that's what I, he may have gotten that idea from me because that's what I want to do I mean I, you know that's what I want to do I want to come back you know and to a relative so that I can inherit things that I have now that may be where he got the idea for me it could be it could be it's not a bad idea I mean obviously we do have a degree of, of control of of who we come back to so you could actually technically in theory do that yes you know I just want to see if I can actually do it yeah so Stevenson came to the conclusion that announcing dreams could be projections of the wishes and beliefs of the person having the dreams well, no, I don't think he concluded that. He just raised that as a possibility ah. that skeptics might say. No, his view was that it was the discarded agency. Oh, okay. So he really did believe that that was actually uh, someone in an, I suppose you could say, non-corporeal form coming back and saying, this is what I want to do. Yes. Cool. So well, skeptics would say that, though. They would say, you know, yes. oh, it's just. So what are the pros and cons against that? How can we prove that that's not the case? 
Okay, th that argument sort of presumes that all this is imaginary, right? Um, when you get cases that are more veridical, more factual, when things are conveyed that the dreamer didn't know, right, at the time of the dream, but turn out to be true, right? Um, you see, that sort of case makes it much more difficult to then argue that it's simply their imagination. Because how did they get this information, right? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe they got it through their own side, right? They acquired this in that way, but that makes it that makes it more complicated, right? And there are people who argue that too, right? This is part of the super psi whole idea that that psi can explain all of these things. ESP can explain it all. So the the parents are getting this information. The parents then are creating these dreams for themselves, uh, you know, to uh, as a way of presenting this information to themselves. I mean, to me, I don't see that as being um, common sense because uh, there's things that are coming from an outside aspect that the parents might not necessarily know about, like, you know. Well, precisely. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, mm. when 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 things are said in the dream that the parents had no clue about, I mean, the names are one example, right? Mm. You know, I mean, the parents, you know, and so how how can the name that they hear in the dream just by chance turn out to be the, the name of the previous of the previous person, the previous personality of the child that they're carrying? Right. I mean, it's just mm. and the, 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 this is only one way that the unborn can influence their mothers. I mean, also get the pregnancy cravings. Pregnancy cravings are very interesting because they often turn out to be foods that the, uh, in the previous life that the child they're carrying liked. Oh, okay. So if you had, say, for example, a child who had like an African-American life before um, they became the child of a white family, they might have cravings for food that are sort of African-American based, you mean? Exactly, that sort of thing, yeah. It's, it's interesting how often the kind of the the predilections of the life before do actually impinge on this life. I think I think we yes. sort of see them as being separate, but um, I've been looking into doing a bit of um, work on past lives and trying to find my own, and it's interesting. I'm starting to see connections between the lives and how one life can alter the next life, if you know what I mean. Oh yes, I mean you know we very definitely see these impacts, you know, mm -hmm. and they they they're not just you know, they they go along with the conscious memories very often, but they're not just with the conscious memories. We can see the sort of personality, behavioral influences even without memories. And too, if you look at things like birthmarks on on the child that comes through, you know, like that that relate to the the life before, you know, I think right. that's also another sign of it. I think. And I think that can be tied to the emotion of what's happened before. I think there's almost like a need to reflect that in, in what they've been through that, you know. Well, I think that's about it. I think we've covered it pretty in depth. Keep an eye out for our next one because the next one we're going to be talking about is the intermission period. And that actually kind of obviously, as we've discussed, relates to announcing dreams. I mean, it's it's yes. it's pretty much where everything comes from in a way. <laughs> it'll be a good tie-in for this one so that we can get a, a more general overview about intermission memories so thank you mm. so much for coming on the podcast again jim i can't wait for our next one actually well you're welcome marilyn yeah i look forward to it too we hope you enjoyed this episode about announcing dreams 
I find the subject to be completely fascinating because announcing dreams raise so many questions about the control we have over our lives on both sides of the cycle. They're a great example of the ability of non-corporeal beings to be able to influence the life they're about to come to, and they help to provide insight into the degree of control and influence the arriving consciousness can have on its next life. If a consciousness can be so determined to come to a specific parent that it can reverse or erase birth control methods, it provides insight and understanding into how much control they have over the physical world. It helps to answer questions about how birthmarks and physical defects can appear in the body of the newborn baby of the next life. If the incoming consciousness has the ability to override physical difficulties like tubal ligation and physical issues that prevent pregnancy, then placing marks on the body of the fetus it's chosen to inhabit would be so much easier than that particularly as the baby's body is still developing, so in a sense it's an unwritten canvas. Jim's thought that we can physically influence our memory recall is also interesting, and the thought occurred to me about whether we're entering a deeper phase of understanding about reincarnation. When you look at the numbers of people interested in reincarnation, particularly in the Western world, it makes me wonder if we aren't at a stage where we aren't levelling up, to use a gaming term. In other words, are we beginning to look at the world with a deeper, more complex gaze because we're now more capable of accepting and assimilating facts and concepts as part of the natural order that previously would be firmly placed into the supernatural realm? It really will be interesting to see where this journey takes us. Thank you for listening to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We hope you enjoyed this case. If you have any interesting stories about reincarnation or if you can relate your own past life experiences, I'd love to hear about them and I can be contacted through my email at reincarnationplr at gmail.com or via my Facebook page called Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. If you'd like to support me, I'd be honoured if you'd become a Patreon supporter. You can find me on Patreon under Reincarnation PLR. I do do extra content now and your support helps me to keep on pumping out content faster and lets me keep on doing what I hope you love hearing. We'll be back again soon with another episode, but until then, remember you are unique and your life has a purpose.